heard it. What is true love? What is true love? The text I have is a little obscure passage, I suppose you would say. 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 46-47. King David was old and full of days. He was old and full of days. Coming to the end of his life, he was really old, very old, 72 years old. And uh, he was about shot. And the people came in and said, man, you know, if you don't make Solomon king here pretty soon, one of your other sons is going to take over. And so David made, it, made him king. Uh, but he was uh, pretty decrepit when he was, uh, had to, you know, at that time of life. Amazing. Um, but the subject is, what is love? You know, God, the Bible says God doesn't possess love. He is love. He doesn't possess love. He is love. God doesn't possess beauty. He is beauty. True beauty. The beauty of holiness. You've never seen beauty. Do you've seen the beauty of holiness. You've never seen it. The beauty that the devil offers is fleeting beauty. Withering beauty. But the beauty that God offers, and by the way, if I may say it this way, guilt-ridden beauty. But the beauty that God offers gets better with the use. Gets sweeter as the days go by. Oh, I think there's a song about that. Everybody sing it? Sweeter as the days go by. The Christian, as we get older in the Lord, it just gets better in the Lord. It just gets deeper, wider, sweeter. What is true love? There's many perversions on the subject of love in the world. They may are just full of misunderstandings and perversions that exist on this subject. In this world, there are very few examples of sacrificial love. Very few. I had a woman in our church, if I mentioned her name, many of you would know her. She's not here anymore. She lives up north. But she came to me one day in counseling, and she had been married, had a couple boys, and been divorced, and, you know, her man betrayed her with some other woman. It's typical. Unfaithfulness. And she got divorced. I think he divorced her. I don't know who divorced who. It wasn't right, you know. God hates divorce. He really does. Poor kids didn't have their dad, you know. It's just not right. It's wicked and vile. It's hurtful. And so she did her best at raising the two boys. They were here at the gospel for quite a while. Um, she came to me one day, and, you know, people say a lot of things, and it doesn't stick with you, right? People say a lot of things to you, they don't stick with you. But once in a while, when somebody says something to you, it's almost like God himself stops your brain, and he says, you're going to remember this. Really? Because, I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of things are said to you. But you just remember just a fraction of them. And yet... She said this statement, and I just, I, I mean, it's like photographically I remember this thing. She said, Bill, all I wanted in life is someone 
that would love me. I go, why? She went on to say, I just want someone that will care for me and be true. And I said her name, and I said, the only one that for sure I can tell you will do that is Jesus. He'll never forgive you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. He'll forgive you. And he'll help you. Don't you love the promise in the Bible over and over again, New Testament, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? Because if someone loves you and then leaves you and forsakes you, what good's that? What good was that little period of time? It was a nice warm feeling, but that was about it, right? They left you and forsook you. It could be incorporated in the definition of love all the way to the end. Amen? you got to go all the way to the end. My wife loves me. How do I know that? She's been with me all the way. Now, it isn't over yet, okay? But if the woman sticks with me the whole time and, and dies, married to me, I'm going to be able to say that woman truly loved me. That's the heart cry of many a poor soul in this old world, is that someone would love them. As I get older, I find myself getting cynical. This is the problem with getting old. There's lots of problems with getting old. You don't have the time for me to go over them, but because I'm not old, I just am guessing. But some of the people in this room understand it. I can tell you one thing I've understood is cynicism. What is cynicism? Well, definition-wise, it's skepticism, pessimism, rolled up into one. One ball. Cynicism, skepticism, and pessimism are all synonyms of the word. It is brought on by years and years of accumulated knowledge and experience of failure, betrayal, deception, lying, misrepresentation, and such, which they have experienced. Okay, so the young guy, we got Jared over there. He's how old are you, 19 years old? Yeah, you haven't been betrayed much. You haven't seen a lot of betrayal much because you're not old enough to see it, right? But your dad, he, he's really up there. What happens as you get older is you see so this situation and that situation and this situation and that situation, maybe to you or to someone around you, and you begin to you begin to form a history of thought and experience that if you're not careful as a born again Christian, not be careful that you don't end up cynical. There's nothing worse than a cynical old preacher. That's why preachers, if preachers give in to cynicism, they need to quit preaching and let a younger guy get up there. Because the Bible is anything but pessimistic. It's anything but skeptical. The foundation of God standeth sure. I find promises all through the Bible that would make me not, even though there's failure on my right hand, this is my right hand, on my right hand and my left hand. 
I'm not going to give in to pessimism and cynicism. People say, oh, there's nobody loves anybody anymore. Everybody will betray you. Have you heard these kind of things? Oh, everybody will betray you. Uh, we, we, were, um, we were fighting the mines out by my house years ago for 12 years, and, and, and uh, we were winning, winning. We were winning. We were winning. And uh, one of my neighbors came up to me, I guess to encourage me. I don't know. And he came up to me and said, you know we're not going to win. He said, nobody ever wins against big money. Big money rules everything. Big money. I felt sorry for the guy. Totally given over to skepticism. Totally given over to pessimism. Totally given over to cynicism. I said, my, I, I, said I still believe in government and the government system we have. And I still believe that it can work. And I still believe it can work for the poor guy and the small guy. He said, oh, never. We won and won and won and won and won. Five different times. But you know, that, 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 that mental thought pattern destroy you. How would it be like, what would it have been like to be married to a guy like that? Ladies, you say, you just described my husband. Don't, don't do it. There's a way out of it. What's our hope out of this quagmire? Well, number one, seeking God, trusting him carefully and honestly. Number two, being transparent with God in all the areas of our life. God, when you're in your prayer, God, I'm not happy with your decision. There's nothing wrong with that. Ultimately, though, you've got to say, I believe you're right, whatever it is, but I'm not happy with it, but I believe you're right. Adopting God's way of life, his thinking, and his motivations. Our passage, let's take the, this obscure 1 Kings chapter 1, the changing of the guard, as it were, from David to Solomon. And in verse 46, it says, Also Solomon sitteth on the throne of the kingdom, and moreover the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David saying, here's what they said, God make the name of Solomon better than thy name. Now, I don't know about you, but typically that makes somebody mad. King David had been a God, man after God's own heart. He had done great and mighty things. God had been with him. He slew a bear. He slew a lion. He slew Goliath. Woo, how are you going to be better than David? Well, I said, well, God make the name of Solomon better than, than, than thy name and make his throne greater than thy throne. And the king in agreement with that, bowed himself upon the bed. That's how bad off he was. Couldn't even get out of bed at 72 years old. True biblical love wants others to excel over you. That's what it is. True biblical love wants others to excel over you, better than you. Parents know this. Not all parents know this, but many parents know this, who love their children in a biblical way. They want their children to do better than they've done. Amen? I know they have problems in our school. We, we run into this. They have problems with seeing their children being underachievers or, or possibly fail or stumble, or get demerits, fall short, or whatever they have done. Why? I give them a break. They got love for their children that's blinding them somewhat to the reality that we see every day. See, you give us your kids. We see them every day in real and clear, stark reality. We don't have those glasses on, those rose-colored glasses that you look at your child. Why? Because if a person 
has, has a, a love for somebody. You want them, but, but what you be, be careful of that. Sometimes they won't accept the facts of the situation as true. They love them, and I give them a break on that. I say, well, you love your kid and everything, but the truth is F is F is F. Your kid threw a rock through the window. I can't help it. You know, I'm sorry, but he did. And have to accept it. God, God has true love for us. I see Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us. Now, when you sang that song, you had no idea I was going to do this, did you? Who gave himself for us, he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God loves us. Jesus especially loves us. Romans 5.8 says, But God commanded his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 8.32 says, He has spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. The Father gave his son, who knew no sin. Oh, I love that. Gave him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of Christ or God in him? Ephesians 5.2 says, We walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. 1 Peter 2.21, For even hereunto were you called. What is that? That Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps. 1 John 3.16, Hereby... Perceive we the love of God. How do we perceive the love of God? Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. What is true love? True love, biblical love, is laying our life down for the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the reality of that, it's laying your life down for you and for you and for you and for you. We're laying our lives down for each other, amen? Boy, now that's an up spiral. You get that kind of understanding of what biblical love is. When you're, when you're going around trying to help people around you to be better than yourself, that's an up spiral. Amen? When, like, I never had people used to come to me. I'd have Pastor Boucher preach or Pastor Moon preach or somebody preaching. They'd say, I'd come back from vacation or sometime or whatever, and they'd say, Boy, oh, you better be careful, Bill. They're going to take your job. I'd say, they, If they can do better than I am, they can have it. And I meant it. If, if they do better, then I want them to have it. I'm not jealous of somebody that's better than me. I'm happy for them. Amen? And it's not a long, never mind. It's not, it's not that hard. And I, I want the next preacher of the gospel, I want to be the better preacher than what you've had. Amen? I'm worried about that right now. How do we perceive the love of God? The sacrifice of Christ. God gave his son. Christ laid his life down. Both the Holy Spirit enacted the whole thing. Why? Because they loved us. And, and that was proven by the fact he gave himself for us. How do we know we love the world? We give ourselves for him. We come out door to door. We show up for the bus ministry. We do these sacrificial things. We give to the cause. You know, we help that whole board of missionaries out there. I pray for those. I pray through those boards you know, week after week after week, I wash through those boards and through the names of the people who read their Bible and the tract ministry and the Cubans on the Cuban board there. And, and I, pray through, I pray through the school personnel and the staff and the deacons and the trustees and the Sunday school 
Woo, takes an hour and 15, 20 minutes to do all that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, stop on this one. I go, oh, stop on Mike tomorrow? Yeah. Maybe Mike's going through something special. Who knows? Pray. What do I do that for? Because I love you. I love you. How do, I, how do you know I love you? Because I give myself to you. I got other things to do on Saturday night. I got other things to do during the week. But I love you. How do, you, how do I know you, you, love, you love me? It's because your kindness is to me and your, and your sweetness to me and the fact you want to read your Bible through. You can't show me any more that you love me than if you'll get a hold of that Bible board and read your Bible through near. You don't know the encouragement that that does to this old preacher when you come up to me and say, Preacher, I read the Bible from Genesis 1, the Revelation 22, all the way through every verse by the grace of God. Woo! You love me, I could tell, man. You love God. By the way, it says in First John chapter four, don't say you love God if you don't love the if you don't love the brethren, right, man? If you cannot love uh, brother uh, Nick, who you see, don't tell me you love God who you don't see, amen. Something invisible, somebody invisible. But if you can't show your common love for me and for them and me for you, we don't have love. We got a facade. God showed us his true love by giving his son for us to make us what? Better. Ooh, I like this. Christ showed his love for us in giving himself, taking our place in suffering, and the wrath that we deserved. Why? Because he wanted something better for you. You're never going to have to suffer the penalty for your sins. You're never... you. You and I deserve eternal separation from God forever for the things we've done, the things we've thought, the abominations that we've been done in secret. The Bible says all sin comes short of the glory of God. There's none, that, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that seeketh after God. And just on and on it goes, describing man and yet God says, I love them. They, haven't, they don't love me, but I love them. And, and, and if you have the love of God, what is true love? It's loving the unlovely. God loves us while we were a sinner, while we were unlovely, while we were... Man, I see somebody show up. Uh, I saw somebody the other day show up and, you know, tattooed from, from literally, literally the top all the way. I don't know about you, but that's got to hurt. Those are millions or thousands of needles poking in your skin. And if I, what I've seen on TV, you bleed a lot. The devil tries to get you to mark yourself up for his cause. God gave you this body right here. I decided I'm going to be happy with what God gave me, except I do brush my teeth. I'm not being ridiculous, okay? I'm not trying to be crazy. But I'm saying, be careful, man. God took all the wrath we deserve on himself. Why? Because he wanted something better for us. That's true love. Better than he experienced. You know, Jesus experienced our wrath. He experienced our wrath. The Bible makes it clear. Jesus Christ experienced the wrath that we deserve. 
Wow, he loves us. He took the thorns so we could take the crown. He took the nails so in his hands so we could take God's hand. He took the shame so we could take the glory of redemption. He took the scars for eternity so we could take his this new body, scarless, sinless body that he has prepared for us. He took our sins so we could go away totally justified, declared not guilty as if we had never sinned. He took the full weight of the wrath of hell so we could enjoy heaven to the place where he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He said that before he suffered. That was John 14. He was crucified later in the book. Before he suffered, though he knew he was going to do it, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Well, that's love, brother. God loves you. With that kind of love, listen, whatever he asks you to do, do it by the grace of God. Do it. Well, he asked me to be in the bus ministry, and I don't like sweat. Sweat for Jesus. He wants me to go door to door. I'm, I'm shy. Be shy for Jesus. People have told me, I've never understood this through the years. They told me, preacher, I believe God's called me to teach, but I'm just too shy to do it. If you love God, you'd walk right over that shyness. Amen? David loved Solomon. He rejoiced to see Solomon king. He hoped Solomon would do better than he did. Excel past him. What is that? That's true love. There are people everywhere around us longing for this kind of love. They're longing for it. They're hoping for it. They're dreaming about it. And as God's children, we have it. We should show it to them. Show them the true love of God. Demonstrate it in your walk and your talk. I think it should start in our marriages. Get quiet. But it should start in our marriages. Our marriages as born-again believers should show there's a God. Amen? Now, if you don't think there's a God, after, knowing, after Kathy and I staying together for 48 years, you ain't looking. It is an outright, upright miracle. And not only are we together after 48 years, but we actually like each other. The other day, she, we, I don't know quite the circumstances on it, but she said, I just like being with you. Man, a woman been with you for 48 years says that, brother. You better stop. Thank Jesus. A miracle just happened. <laughs> One time, we like, to, we like each other so much, we like to ride together in a car. So, so sometimes, you know where I live way out, so sometimes I'll be here, and she'll call me. She'll say, you want to meet for supper? So I'll say, okay, you leave your... Leave your car at the bank where she worked, which is on the corner of Ben Hill Griffin and Corkscrew. You leave your car. I'll pick you up, and then we can ride together to the restaurant. We'll go, let's say, up to uh, 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 P.F. Chang's up, up in the Gulf Coast Town Center. Okay, P good place to eat, P.F. Chang's. So we just want to ride together that little distance. I could say you meet me at P.F. Chang's, you know. She could come in at Lico, but no. She comes in Corkscrew, leaves her car to... I, we stopped by. She, my little beloved, my beloved is mine. I am hers. 
we get in the car. We ride down there to P.F. Chang's. We eat our little meal together. We really don't say that much. It's not, it's not all that crazy. It's just, it's just the aura of it all. And so we eat together. We come on back. We drive all the way to my house. I drive in my carport, and I say, where's your car? She says, you know what? I love being with you so much, I forgot I left my car back at the... So we drive through my carport, back out the gate, another seven and a half miles back to the, back to the thing to pick her car up. I am telling you the gospel truth that's happened. And I can't tell you how many times that's happened where we've been halfway home or a third home, and we say, hey, your car's back at the deal. She said, well, I ju we just like being with each other. You know who did that? God. God did that. And I recommend being a Christian. I recommend being a Christian. I highly recommend being a Christian. Don't you be a sucker for all them proposals that you're getting by the devil. He loves to propose. How about you do this? How about you do that? How about you, you know, Spock said, take LSD. It'll expand your spiritual experience. He was a liar. Spock said, don't spank your kids. He was a liar. The world's got all these proposals that they've thought this and thought that. They don't know how to, they can't even have a decent marriage. Our marriages testify that there's a God. I think our business dealings testify there's a God of love. I, I like Brother Morris. I'm going to talk about you, brother. I'm sorry about this. I didn't ask permission, but hey. He said, he said when he bid jobs, he'd give them more than they paid for. He'd give them more than they paid for. He says, one of the secrets of my business was I always gave them a little bit of something, a little bit of sweet thing, a little bit of something they weren't planning on. Oh, I like that. I like that. The world don't do that. They give you less than what you paid for most time. The way we treat the poor and have attitudes to help the needy and the, those in trouble, those less fortunate. Uh, if you look at that mission board back there and you'll carefully study those over 100 missionaries we support, average about $125 a month, some of them 300 some of them maybe a little less than the Cubans, like $30 a month, and, and, and what, but, but average it out. If you look at that, 85 to 90% of all of the money that's given through the missionaries is literally given to very, very poor people. Gospel Baptist cares about poor people. We care about homeless people. We care about poor folks. Our bus ministry goes out into a lot of the neighborhoods. They're struggling. People are struggling. We care about them. We care about our treatment to others. The way you treat. Those people who work for you. Now, I'm really sticking my neck out here. You know this. But the way you treat the people who work for you will tell whether you love God or not. People work here to gospel. I don't know if you notice this, but people like, gospel, like to work for Gospel Baptist Church. Brother Boucher, 20 years. Brother Moon, 18 years. I about had to kick Brother Moon out of here. He loved it here so much. Brother Boucher said the hardest thing about gospel is leaving it. Brother Moon said one of the hardest things about gospel is leaving it. 
But he was ready, both of them ready to go out there and launch out as senior pastors, and they're doing so good, and I hope they do better than I've ever done, and bigger, better, badder, or whatever you want to call it. I hope, I hope they survive and do well, and then many people get saved and go to heaven. I wish I could say that about my secretaries. I'm on my fourth secretary. But I'm going to tell you what, I broke an all-time record. Sandy Dodd was my secretary for 12 years. I know what you're thinking. She's related to you. That's true. But only shirt tail. But by the grace of God, I want to treat the people who work for me or are somehow under your authority, you want to treat them in such a way that they say that man's a saved man or that woman's a saved woman. She loves God. They care about me. They care about my outcome. They care about my welfare. They're not just using me and, and using me up. They care for my outcome. That's biblical love, true love, man. John 13 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have, as I have loved you. And that's the way Christ loves me, that you love one another. But this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. I don't think being touchy, unforgiving, grudge-holding, grouchy, easily offended is anywhere close to where God's at. Now, I'm not, I don't have time. I'm not going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 7, which defines what I'm talking about more clearly. I don't want to be grouchy. I don't want to end up a grouchy old man. But I feel it. I feel it. I don't, you know, you get up with aches and pains, your back aches, your foot aches, your this aches, you got a headache, makes you want to be grouchy. I'm going to hear a struggle being grouchy once in a while. Now, come on, don't lie now. I tell you what, when I come in the office and I'm grouchy, the Holy Spirit comes to me and whispers to my ear, he says, you were grouchy. I know. You're the pastor of the church. You're grouchy. You're a grouchy old man. I know. Go apologize. I don't want to. Go apologize. Or they'll never listen to another word you say. I know. So I go to him and I say, you know, would you please forgive me for being grouchy? The old flesh goes, I hate that. But the spirit goes, I love that. Love that. Yeah. I never regret the times I humbled myself. But I sure do regret the times I was a cocky, self-confident, overbearing idiot, which have been many. But I don't want to be that way. I want the love of God to shine through me. You know what's better than that? He wants that to be that way. So if God before you, who can be against you? 
If you want the love of God in your life, you can have it. And you may, there may be some women here that are ready to get rid of your husband. Don't do it. Go to God and say, help me to love him. There may be some men here ready to get rid of your wife or some old floozy. She'll gut you like a fish. Don't do it. Keep the old girl. It's beautiful to be able to share history with somebody. You know, all the people I'm sharing history with, they're dying. It's getting fewer and fewer. I want to call my dad up and talk about the old days, but he's not there anymore. I want to call my mom up and talk about this, but she's not there anymore. I want to call my aunts and uncles up, and they're all gone except for a handful, just a few little ones. But I can go to my wife, and I can go back into the 60s. I mean, we can go back to 67, 66, 68, and I can talk to her about those days a little bit. Stick with him. Ask God to help you. Stick with him. Stick with the things of God. And you'll end up, and God will help you to be and understand what that old girl told me that day. I just wish somebody would love me. Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Father, help us in the name above every name, that you would come and help these folks understand in some measure what your love means. These stammering lips of mine and failing and faulty thinking patterns, some won't do very good, but Lord, use it according to your will. May the Word of God go forth today, changing lives as it goes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.